1: Good afternoon, this is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs in a recently published two-part series, Local Journalism Portal Makaranga, in collaboration with the Pulitzer Center's Rainforest Investigations Network, identified gaps in peninsular Malaysia forest data for the years 2002 to 2021. So their investigations revealed that the data is pretty messy, you know, things like supposed forest reserves not gazetted, all palm plantations inside forest reserves, outdated maps, discrepancies in bad forest data that will hamper Malaysia's conservation. Conservation, flood Management and Sustainability Plans, just to name a few. So in conjunction with International Day of Forests, which is celebrated annually on the 21st of March, today I'm catching up with Lau Yahua, Environment Journalist and Editor of Makaranga and a former Fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. We're going to discuss his navigation, and I'm quoting here, through the multiverse of forest data in Peninsula Malaysia and what official government documents reveal about forest reserve changes in Peninsula Malaysia. Welcome, Yahuwa. How are you today?
0: I'm good. Thanks, thanks, Juliet. Happy to be here.
1: Always a pleasure to see you, Yahua And I'm just going to do it. First of all, I want to say congratulations on your recent wins. So one of 11 winners of the Sigma Awards 2023. Uh, that was a story that you wrote, edited by Siu Lin, uh, supported by the, the Rainforest Investigations. So well, congratulations, La. Thank, well done. Thank
0: you very much. Yeah, it's uh, um, yeah, very surprised to win that. Um, <laughs> well, it's definitely a great encouragement, not just to Makaranga, but hopefully to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first Malaysian entry win. Let's put it out there. Claim the glamour there. You um, and definitely, it won't be the last. So, yeah. great. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, congratulations. And, you know, you've been doing wonderful work, as I always say, uh, through uh, your work with Makaranga and forest data. So, that's something that, uh, you know, this last uh, couple of uh, articles were focused on. You know, it's said to be central to saving our world's forest um, ecosystems, right? It can enable things like quantification of deforestation, you know, forest degradation. You know, basically, it helps to facilitate research into uh, protection and conservation measures, right? Effective ones. So, you went on an expedition, right, uh, digging through government documents, trying to uncover uh, this, you know, forest data in Peninsular Malaysia. What were you in search of exactly?
0: Yeah, so yesterday was the International Day of Forest, right? And the theme uh, this year is forest and health. And I think by now we all know the importance, or we should know the importance of forest for our health. And it's not just a matter of, you know, how much forest there are, but also in what state the forest are, uh, I mean, the status of the forest, mm. uh, where they are and how we are using them. And it all relates to our, you know, how much clean water we have, you know, our food security, the, you know, the control of diseases um, and, and management of floods. So all those matters for our health, you know, whether mental or physical, it all matters. So back in Malaysia, I think not, it's not just me. I think everyone has this looming question of how much forest do we actually have in Malaysia? And, you know, and are we using them sustainably? Mm-hmm. I think those are the, the, the two questions that over at Makaranga, we have been trying to ask, uh, well, since day one, actually, and mm-hmm. you know, we are now entering a fourth year. So we, we have been trying to ask those questions. And really, I mean, how do you actually get those questions? Uh, our other journalist colleagues, you know, have been reporting, you know, here and there, deforestation NGOs have been also reporting on that forest loss here and there. But what's the... I guess the bigger picture, you know, what's the state of it? And so to do that, you really need to look at the data you yep. know, for the bigger picture, you know, over time and over space, you need to look at it. And we need data. And uh, by we, I mean, everyone, everyone, we need the data to monitor. We need the data to measure and we need the data to do better uh, when it comes to forest management. So, and and so that's what I was really trying to get at, you know, try to, through the data to 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 get a sense of how um, Malaysia or well specifically Peninsular Malaysia has been using our forest. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's a it's a multiverse of forest data because it's really well, we are, I, we have been really struggling to find the, the correct word to describe it. Okay. We have gone <laughs> everywhere from lousy, wrong, messy, chaotic. In the end, I realize it's. I can't tell who's right and who's wrong, really, okay. because it depends on how you define forest. so the, the, the I guess the most technically correct word to describe it uh, is that it's a multiverse. Mm-hmm. So we say it's a multiverse because um, at any one time you can say you can give a figure of how much forest there is in Malaysia, and you could be right. It's okay. based on how you define forest, what data set you use, you know you can narrow it down and filter the data in such a way that I cannot say you are wrong. Right. But then your data and mine, I mean, your interpretation and mine could be so vastly different. It's this gap that we need to make sense of Mm -hmm. and try to see, you know, how, how, how we could do better. Yeah, so so that's that's really what we were trying to get at with this two two part series. Yeah.
1: Okay. And in terms of definition, so let's talk about that, right? So you um you know, in, in the article you wrote about how Malaysia doubled its GDP without sacrificing its forest cover, right? And this is according and you put their official statistics. And you also put it very beautifully in the article, you and uh Siu Lin, a feat of green development you described it, it as. Yes, is, it is, yeah. <laughs> Can you remind us then, you know, how State Forestry Departments and the Federal Forestry Department of Peninsula Malaysia who basically 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 manage our forests, right? What do they define forests here as?
0: Right. So the point that Malaysia has doubled its GDP in the last 20 years, whereas our forest cover more or less have remained constant, hovering around 54-55%, that's for the whole of Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And of course there are three different bodies that govern or or that manages forest in in Malaysia. That's the peninsula, uh, Forestry Department and then there's the one in Sabah and Sarawak. So three different ones. Yeah. So so let's just focus on the one in Peninsular Malaysia. So the government, uh, the official uh, statistics, every time the any official says anything about forest, they're referring to uh, land use. Right? We have said this many times but I think it, it needs to be repeated again yep. that they're referring to land use. So the the legal intended use of the piece of land. Not what is on the land, uh, but what is the land supposed to be used for. So, for example, if that land under the, in the land office, uh, plot A is uh, designated as forest use or forest reserve, then it is forest, even though it can be uh, under, the, under the same law, under the National Forestry Act, you can develop a quarry on it. You can mine sand in it. Uh, in some instances, uh, there are also oil palm inside the forest reserves. Um, you know, so But because the land is still uh, designated as I mean, forest use or as forest reserve, it counts as forest in the official statistics. So every time a minister comes out and says we still have more than 50% of our land as forest, they are referring to the land use. But what we see with our eyes and what the satellite detects is not the land use, but rather the land cover, mm-hmm. what is physically on the land itself. So as we say, you know, if it's a quarry, then we, will see, we, we see it and we say that's not a forest. Satellite sees it and say that's not a forest. Um, and so then we can get this gap between uh, what we see with our eyes is land cover and what the government says is land use. Now, a lot of people will come at this point now and say that, oh, it makes no sense to say that that the land is uh, still forest after all the trees have been cleared, right? But there is, um, I would argue that there is a rationale for using land use because we are managing the country, we are managing the land, uh, or they are managing the country, managing the land. So, um, it's, it, it so to manage it right, it's more of like a, um, uh, yeah. So land use planning kind of a thing, ten year, thirty year planning kind of thing. This yeah. is this site is for for forest, and so it remains. And it can be argued that you know I clear the trees now, in twenty years the trees can grow back. So if we just go by land cover, then of course, the accounting will be very, um, you know, very up different. and down, up and down, mm-hmm. and it could make planning quite difficult also. So there are rationale, merits for both approaches, land use you know, or land cover, but it's just important to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And in terms of knowing the difference, um, you know, because... That's where I think the contention comes about, right? Because you say this is a forest reserve, but then there's nothing there and that really like uh, irks people, right? Or they're wondering what's happening. But there could
0: be a quarry there. There could be
1: a quarry there as well. Or there could be, as you said, uh, uh, forest plantations, right? That's something else that we've spoken about. All of that is legal, right? That is perfectly within the law
0: uh as far as i know it's allowed no it's allowed whether it's legal or not depends on many other things okay but it's allowed under the national forestry act yes okay
1: all right and again just going back to the article like you mentioned that going by this quote-unquote official definition um we lost a certain amount of forest cover right between 2002 and 2021 can you give us some data and maybe how that compares with um some satellite analysis uh on forest and what that revealed
0: yeah, so uh, as we dug through the data, we found several, um, I guess, main findings, uh, discrepancies in forest data. And this is one of it. So, there are, you know, we can get discrepancies between different sources, between government source and uh, third party independent sources like a satellite image uh, provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also found uh, huge discrepancies, gaps within the government sources itself. We can talk about that later. Let's get on to the, the satellite image one first. So when it comes to official data, land use, the Forestry Department of Peninsular Malaysia reported that in the last twenty years, so that's two thousand two to two thousand twenty-one, uh, Peninsula Malaysia lost about one hundred and thirty-three thousand hectares, mm. one hundred and thirty-three thousand hectares. Now that is you know we well, what about the satellite? The satellite, and this is uh, Landsat satellite. You know uh, the data provided by um, well, I guess, uh, analysed by uh, Global Forest Watch, uh, they found a loss of 790,000 hectares. So satellite detected loss of 790,000 hectares, whereas official data says 133,000. So there's about, you know, more than 600,000 hectares of difference there. So that's huge. Yeah. And the biggest difference, the biggest gap is found in Pahang, Uh and then the second biggest gap is in Kelantan. Pahang kind of makes sense because it has the most forest, so you expect you know if it has the most forest to lose, and does it lose the most forest, you know, you kind of expect it. Now, Kelantan is not the state with the second most forest, um, but it has lost a lot of forest, uh, forest cover, because it has a, it has done a lot of uh, forest plantation. Okay. Ladang hutan. Tree plantation, timber plantation, tree farm, you know, you can call it many things. But it's 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 just that, yeah.
1: All right, let's just go for a quick break, Yahua, and we'll come back and uh, let's talk about some of the other findings. I'm speaking today to Lau Yahua, environment journalist and editor of Makaranga, former fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. We're talking about uh, a recent, uh, recently published two-part series uh, that Makaranga released, and this is on um, forest data or lack thereof of it here in Peninsula Malaysia. Uh, we'll continue our chat after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters, on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. It was International Day of Forests yesterday, celebrated annually on the 21st of March. Um, and today on the show, we're talking about forests here in Peninsular Malaysia. Uh, joining me, Lau yahua Environment Journalist and Editor of Makaranga, former Fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. So Makaranga, together with the Pulitzer Center's Rainforest Investigations Network, recently uh, released two articles um, and, and it identified gaps in Peninsular Malaysia forest data for the years 2002 to 2021. So um, Yahua, you know, is explaining why why he was doing this research, and you know, before the break, you were uh, telling us a little bit about some of the findings, and that was, of course, um, you know, the discrepancy between official forestry data and you know what the satellites show us, right? Um, you know, anything else you wanted to add uh, with relation to that? You know, the, the discrepancies between those two statistics. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that gap of uh, that the satellite detected more than six hundred thousand hectares of forest loss. You know, more than the official data. Mm-hmm. Um, As we say, you know, it's different definition, but what are the actual implications on the ground? Now, the fact is there is, you know, 600, let's let's say 650,000, 650,000 hectares of forest cover has been lost, either cut, cleared, or, you know, whatever, just lost, um, that you cannot find inside the official statistics. So what is the implication of this? Is it just semantics? Well, no, not really. Um, because uh, if we just look at forest official statistics then, then we, we don't see these forest laws. And you could actually be blindsided into thinking that, oh, everything is great. So three days ago, on the Sunday at a Greenpeace event at uh, Port Klang, at this climate justice forum, uh, it's also about deforestation. The uh, YB Nick Nasmi, the Minister of um, the Ministry of uh, Natural Resources, Energy and Climate Change, oh, he was there. He was one of the panellists. And in response to a, a question on forestry data, he did acknowledge that there are discrepancies okay. in how deforestation is reported in the, stati- in the official statistics. And he seemed to understand that it's a matter of definition. But he also said that, you know, and I quote him, now, it's not meaningful if on the ground it's nothing. So this is the point, right? If yeah. on the ground it's nothing, and the, and the and the land is exposed to rain and heavy rains and all these things and the biodiversity is lost. Those are real implications. It's not just a matter of statistics. Those are real consequences. Uh, let's take a quick one, very quick one. Um, so we all know that forest is important to prevent floods and provide water, right? You know, they, they, they protect the, the soil from uh, being... Uh, hardened by heavy rainfall and then prevents all the water from running straight into the river and that will cause flood downstream. So in 2014, in December 2014, remember there were huge and very uh, historic and destructive floods in Kelantan, uh, specifically in the towns of Dabong and Kuala Krai. And the rivers that lead into this were the Sungai, Gabir, uh, sorry, Sungai Galas and Sungai Labir. And upstream of these two uh, rivers, there were plenty of forest cover lost, mainly for forest plantation. This is in Kelantan. Okay. Um, you know, if you look at a satellite, we see rate, 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 rate. No, I mean, forest loss before 2014 and forest loss continued unabated after 2014. So it just continued. So on satellite, you see a lot of forest loss. But in official statistics, Kelantan, in the last 20 years, can you guess how much of change in forest reserve it has? You expect... A decrease but no it actually had an increase of 200 hectares <laughs> wow. this is why like you know it has serious implications yeah. it blindsides us if we don't really understand the data if we don't probe we don't know mm. and this is serious because
1: yeah, yeah. it paints a very rosy picture isn't it especially when we are on the international stage right talking about our uh, national forest cover and things like that
0: yeah I, i'm not sure whether the intent was to paint a rosy picture um, but definitely, and, and you see, they're not technically wrong.
1: Correct, correct. You see, yeah. they're not
0: technically wrong, but the implications are severe and we need to understand the what, what this difference actually means. And I hope the ministers and the officers, when they go out and say we have more than 50% of our forest cover, that they are aware of the consequence of keep you know of of promoting this this figure
1: mm-hmm. and another uh, you know very interesting thing that i uh, found from your articles you know you highlighted the point of confusion is that forestry department statistics diverge greatly from those uh not only you know with satellites but also in state gazettes right and um, we know that state governments they are as you as you wrote in the article the sole authority to add or remove forest reserves um talk to me a little bit about your findings you know for that
0: yeah, this is this is a really a good one. Then this is the one that really stunned me quite a bit. Um and we always like to be stunned when we're doing our reporting. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, state government are the ones that would have the sole authority to make any changes to forest reserve, to add, to remove, to change, the classification, blah blah blah. You know, to approve development inside forest reserves. It's all on the state government. Uh, particularly of course the chief minister of the Mantri Basa. Mm-hmm. Now and in in the National Forestry Act it is stated clearly that any changes to the Forest Reserve would not take effect until such change is um, published in the State Gazette and then there is a date and it only takes effect after that date that is published there. So of course then you uh, logically then it, it means that the State Gazette is the ultimate uh, I guess, reference or authority on forest reserves. So we started looking into it and we found that lo and behold, uh, there's actually a huge gap between the forest reserve changes that is reported in the state gazettes and the one reported in the Forestry Department annual reports and statistics book. Okay. What's the difference? In the last 20 years, again, 2002 to 2021, the Forestry Department statistics reported an increase of 190,000 hectares of forest reserves in Peninsular Malaysia 190000 If you look at the corresponding period in the state gazettes, you find an actual decrease of 7,000 hectares so that if you put those two together that means the forestry statistics the forestry department statistics is have seemed to be over reporting Almost two hundred thousand hectares of forest reserves that you cannot find in the state gazettes. So who is correct, right? Like, like, like I can't explain this. Actually, I can't explain this, yeah. and and nobody has been able to explain this. At least not with concrete evidence that you know I can name here. And so why you know, and and, and the implications of this is is also again quite severe. Actually, before we talk about the implication. If you recall, like I think it was a, a couple of weeks ago, Audit Negara uh, released their report on um, Selengo, Yes, And then it was stated in there that this is a bit of a separate thing. Uh, but again, it's just another, uh, I guess, uh, independent body showing that there are discrepancies in the government's data. So there, the slango Forestry Department apparently have not uh, checked the borders of their forest reserves. Mm-hmm. And they were again there, you know, 16 forest reserve changes were not gazetted were not published in the Gazette, you know, up to seven years after they have been approved by the state government. So there's this all this delay in things. And the implications of all these delays, right, is the first one, I think, is how can I trust you? <laughs> how can I trust you? <laughs> yeah. Your left hand shows one, your right hand shows another, which hand am I supposed to trust? An erosion of confidence in government is actually very severe. Once I lose that confidence, you can say the 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 best thing and and the most correct thing, and it just you know people just don't believe. So that's serious. And of course, the other one is uh, legal repercussions. We know um, if you guys have not read about it, go read up on the Bukit Chiraca case in, in Selengo. So this is one where um, the state government for the longest of time seemed to think that they have de gazetted the the forest reserve, yes. Bukit Cheraka forest reserve. Um, then they allowed development on it. Uh, then the local community, you know, uh, uh, protested the development, and then they sued the government. Blah blah blah, and then it turned out that the government, I think, they realized, "Oops, we did not actually." published the gazette for it so then they published a gazette just last year backdating dating the <laughs> the gazettman to two, year 2000 or some year 2000 or something it's
1: 20 years over, yeah, yeah 20
0: years something right mm-hmm. so so yeah so this is legal repercussions because if you know on one on the left hand you say that it has been uh, either added or or gazetted but then on the right hand you didn't finish the legal procedure so what is it now? Is it a fraud reserve or is it not?
1: And you also sort of like lay the, the blame with the previous state government, right? Because it was a different, uh, it was a different sort of ruling. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, well. very, so it it's, very, very it's very,
0: very, very, handy now. You know, now yeah. we change government so often. It's very handy to say, oh, right. it's a previous one. It's the previous one. We'll do better from now on. We welcome that. Definitely do better. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, Yeah. So, yes, I mean, that was a huge one. I remember it was a, a tech wing, right? Lim tech wing who found out, you know, that they had actually backdated. He found out first that it was never gazetted and then the backdating uh, mm-hmm. happened. Um, so, OK, so we've been talking about implications, right? And I also want to talk about, you know, the second part of the article, uh, you actually highlight particular projects, isn't it? Uh, that are sort of forest clearing projects that have been approved inside reserves. Um, and there's a lot of it, you, you know, you pointed out a lot of the forest loss could be attributed to natural disturbances and illegal logging, but the majority likely compromise these sorts of approved projects, right? Cut forests on and on land whose status, as we mentioned, remains as forest use, right? Some of the examples, maybe you want to share with our listeners.
0: So when we look at the projects itself, so satellite cover, satellite image show us forest loss, but it does not show us exactly, you know, like what kind of project caused it or who caused it. And so to know that, to really get a a concrete uh, evidence of the projects that have replaced natural forest uh, in Peninsular Malaysia, the best one to me, in in, in my opinion, is to look at the EIA reports, the Environmental Impact Assessment Reports of the projects that have been approved inside Mm forests, Either, you know, inside forest reserves, I'm specifically looking at that. And just know that, uh, of the all the forests that you see in Peninsular Malaysia, forest reserves make up eighty five percent. So it's it's good enough to talk about forest reserves. Yeah. So if we look at the EIA reports. Oh, that is another that is another <laughs> gap in our forest data that we that data that we don't get easily. But anyway, so once you look at it, you realize that in the last twenty years there have been um, many projects approved for mining, quarry and sand, so granite, rock and sand inside forest reserves. And this is legal as far as the EIA project is concerned. And then there were many, 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 many forest plantation projects approved. And again, this is also legal. Uh, Forest plantation is, is, you know, the way they do forest plantation is that they will go in, uh, clear the land, sell whatever valuable timber there was, and then supposedly replant it right um let's not go let's not repeat the whole hoo-ha about forest plantation we have sure. done that enough but sure. just know that in in the last i don't know five to eight maybe even decade um forest plantations have definitely emerged as the main driver of forest loss in Peninsular malaysia uh rather than oil palm mm-hmm. okay anyway so but i think the thing that really drives uh, many people um is are there is there oil palm inside our forest reserves and uh and and definitely there, there is there is oil palm inside our forest reserves um are they legal yes they are legal um I'm talking about the big ones now. let's let's ignore maybe there, there must have been some that's like planted you know and intrude into the forest planti- uh, forest reserves but I do not know how much let's talk about the big ones so in joho they are uh in the ulu Sud- uh, in the Sedili uh, Forest Reserves, there, there is uh, oil palm approved and, and, and that is to help the company with cash flow while they run their forest plantation. Uh, and then in Bukit Ibam in Pahang, uh, there was also another project approved for oil palm, but oil palm hasn't actually been planted yet. So this was approved, I think in 2018, okay. but oil palm hasn't been planted yet. They cleared the land, but they haven't planted oil palm yet. Okay, but the project was approved for oil palm. Again, in, in, um, in, in Pahang also, uh, in Yong Forest Reserve, uh, there was also another case there, a larger one, uh, I think 4,000 plus hectares. Again, they cleared it, but then later the EIA report was retracted. So they didn't actually plant the oil palm and it still remained forest reserve, but they already cleared it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then up north in Kelantan, in uh, Rabung, if I remember correctly, also uh, oil palm approved, cleared the forest reserve, but they haven't planted it again. Okay. Now you see, it's very hard to plant oil palm in forest reserve now or in natural forest in Peninsular Malaysia because with the new MSPO ruling, MSPO is a certification, the mandatory certification that all oil palm traders and planters need to have in Peninsular Malaysia is that you Cannot, you won't get certified if your oil palm comes from a land that replaced natural forests.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So, all the ones that I've spoken of just now, except for the one in Johor, you know, they are the one in Johor is like many years ago. The other ones I talk about in Kelantan and in Pahang are more recent. And so, they have not planted their oil palm, and including the ones that I, we did, you know, in, in uh, yeah, also in Bukit Ibam. The one, uh, yeah, let's not name the company. um Yeah. Again, they have not planted. They just cut. They have not planted. But the state government and the DOE, the Department of Environment, had approved those projects for oil palm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So there are, are definitely all these projects inside. And okay. whether we'll see more or not, I don't think we'll see more of the oil palm projects. I think, I th- I think we have made enough noise about it and, and, the, and the regulations have been reinforced. I expect we won't see more. But the forest plantation, I think we'll continue to see more. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. And one thing that struck me, uh, you know, reading both the articles as well is about the challenges you face trying to gather all of this data, right? I mean, a lot of people weren't forthcoming. Any of those challenges that you want to talk about? You know, maybe like, you know, I read with interest that the forestry department repeatedly denied or ignored your request for digital maps or forest reserves. They called it confidential. You know, uh, what, what what are these sorts of things considered?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank, thanks for bringing this up. You know, we can talk for many hours on this and... <laughs> I think as as journalists right um you know I speak to many of my journalist friends who who we all want to do environmental reporting and we report on forests rivers and other thing I think we almost always have a very very difficult time getting forest data even meteorological data river data so um and unfortunately in the stories I didn't have space to put their their comments in so for example you know um Lau uh, Lao Chun Chuan from Malaysia, Kini, no, he, he was sharing with me how uh, he feels that the government is managing data in a very non-transparent manner. And and the impact of that is that it hinders the journalist or the media's role to actually monitor government and to provide public information, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it actually stops us from understanding the true state of our forest. And journalists have a hard time doing our jobs already. You give us a bit of a barrier and then another barrier and then the editors in the newsrooms you know, I'm not talking about Malaysia Kini specifically, but just all across. You know, they say, oh, you you, you spend uh, so much time on this, you know, going nowhere, drop this, go on to another political news. Just a little bit of barrier would actually uh, be very effective in discouraging journalists from further probing and providing the public with the good information, accurate information with context uh, that the public deserves and also the government deserves, actually. Mm. So... That and then uh, another journalist, Li Jiahui from Sinchu. Yeah, she was also reporting, uh, she was reporting on like the Pahang's flood last year, and she had trouble getting information on, you know, rivers, irrigation, and of course forest. Um she she was telling me that you know she she wasn't so experienced in, in reporting on all these issues, but she really wanted to try and we were working together and trying to get some of the things. But for her, you know, the government data management ecosystem the, the system itself is just so unorganized you know you can't easily type in a keyword and find and that was i think the first part of last year um and yeah and then i you know as usual our inquiries to the government offices always almost get ignored not always at the time but you know very often they get ignored and so um yeah, I mean, there has been some improvement in, in government data management in the, the past few months, actually. The Audit Negara's website has been revamped and it's much easier to use now. It's like so great. You can just go on, put in a keyword and they call out all the report that has contained, that contain the keyword. It's just great. Um, of course, the Open DOSM uh, by, I think, the Ministry of Economy, you know, uh, and, and they are doing a good job there also, but well, not enough data. <laughs> la, huh? the environmental data is not there. Mm. Um, but yeah, and um, I think maybe now is a good time to, I guess I, I, I think I think it's a good time to 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 speak out to the government um, departments, agencies, offices that don't treat journalists as like your nemesis. Uh, it's it's not you know we are we are not. Um, if if you yeah, continue speaking with us, you know and open keep the communication lines open. Um, and work together with the journalists. And I'm not talking about journalists now. Um, provide us the information, explain to us the information. And if we don't understand, explain to us so that we understand, at least from your point of view and from, you know, your, the, the, the limits of your work. If they are, we all know that you face pressure up and below uh, in carrying out your work um, and I'm talking about all government agencies but of course you know specifically the the forestry department and uh, but but yeah but but you know definitely keep the channels open and to truth be told they they are doing good stuff you know they are they are trying and, and they are doing some good stuff they are improving you know trying to digitize their work uh, make it electronic uh, but, you know, I, I don't think they release the data to us, but at least they're trying to make it more efficient within their own channels. Um, so that's a good thing. And then they, I, two weeks ago, I heard that, you know, they were presenting in a, in a conference where they say they will start using a lot more aerial monitoring and drones. That's all great. But, you know, to convince the public that, you know, you are doing your part and you're doing your part for the public, just you yourself saying it alone, as I said, when there's an erosion of public confidence, it's not enough you do really need the journalist to, to to come in objectively and then to report it so you you keep the channels open is, is what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah
1: and make that info um accessible and um yeah open and accessible yeah and, right? and
0: actually again you know just to yeah just to emphasize if i can that it's very often you no know, the, the forests are managed uh, it is the mandate of the national uh, is the, is the mandate of the forestry department to manage the forest but they have no authority over the forest. Mm, mm. It's like they are the gardeners tending to the garden, but the garden doesn't belong to them. The garden belongs to the landowner or whoever owns the property. And if the, pro- the property owner says, I want to blast open the garden, let, put a big rock there, put a big pond here, you know, I don't want all these trees. I only want it concrete. What can the gardener say? So we go after the gardener or we try to get information for the gardener, but we know very well there is a landowner. Um and so, you know, we wow. Well, the state government should really, really be a lot more open and transparent also. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Um, one more quick break, Yahuwa. Let's come back and talk about, you know, again, the impacts of these inaccurate forest data sets, you know, on things like, you know, from global commitments right up to banks' decision-making and biodiversity. Uh, I'm speaking today to Lau Yaohua He's an environmental journalist and editor for Makaranga, former fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. We're talking about how some, well, I'm going to use the word here, messy forest data messes with conservation. Uh, we'll continue that discussion after this break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters, on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It was International Day of Forests yesterday and we are talking about forests today, specifically forest data or lack thereof of it here in peninsular Malaysia. With me today, Lau Hua, Environment Journalist and Editor at Makaranga, former Fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. So Makaranga, together with the network, uh, recently published a couple of articles you know, which identified these huge gaps, well, I will say huge gaps, in peninsular Malaysia forest data. Uh, these were for the years 2002 to 2020. Uh, 2021. So, you know, before the couple of breaks, yeah, while well, we were talking about some of the impacts, right, of these um uh, of the inaccurate, right? It's basically inaccurate forest data sets. Um talk to me a little bit about, you know, how it hampers us, you know, from meeting things like our sustainability commitments or yeah, whatever what are some of the Okay, yeah. Yeah. What are the impacts so, mm.
0: so um, you know we talk about the impacts on you know floods yes. right and and there's other impacts on also for example if we think about our, our global commitments uh, or just commitment uh, to sustainability in general local national regional international you know we we, we have this Paris Agreement, where Malaysian the Malaysian government has pledged to reduce our greenhouse uh, emission greenhouse gas emission by intensity, you know, by forty five percent compared to I think two thousand five, uh, and we have to reach this target by twenty thirty, and so we give we provide to the United Nations uh, a report and update every two years, and, and a big part of this emissions right is the amount of carbon that is absorbed by our forest. Okay. But if there is a, a reason to doubt or to question uh, the accuracy of our forest area data, then of course there is a reason to doubt the uh, emissions uh, data that we submit. And if you say you have achieved the target, again, if there's an erosion of public confidence, then there's a problem there. Yeah. And again, with and then if we go down one level, if we look at the industry. The banks. So now we hear a lot about green financing, ESG, you know, all this important stuff, and um, the banks have a huge role to play uh, in doing the due diligence of you know removing any element of uh, deforestation out of all the projects that they finance. You know, and you no know, bankers have told me, and I really thank again the bankers who speak to me. You know, they are so <laughs> scared of th- speaking to me, <laughs> but they spoke with me and they shared that you no, know, they want. You know, they they want to do the due diligence to check the, their clients or potential clients for deforestation elements, but they, they struggle to do it because they don't have the uh, reliable and accurate data uh, to actually check you know whether this project for example if this is uh they're building a bridge for example to finance to build a bridge or finance to build a farm or something like that you know is it cutting down forests is it eroding is it intruding into any high conservation value forest that kind of thing um if it does then uh the banks will you know lay their hands on it or they would advise the clients to a hey, you know do it somewhere else or do it another way right uh, but they don't have this data and, and they can't really do it well and you might think, okay, they can't do it well, then at least use whatever data they have and then tell the client. But the thing is, if I'm bank A and I do it with this data and I tell my client, my client will say, oh, why are you so fun? You know, this one I don't get from bank A, I can go get from bank B. Then I go to bank B, and then bank B can say that, oh, we don't have the data, it's not free, it's very difficult, so we don't use la. Uh, just look at your one, I think it's okay, then okay. Mm. So there's no plain playing field, fair playing field for the banks that want to do the proper job on due diligence. So the bankers are telling me um, that they need this data free reliable publicly available easy to get reliable is very key because they also need to convince their clients, hey, I'm, I, I, I'm telling you this because this is like something published by Makaranga, you know, Makaranga just won this big award so they're very reliable. <laughs> exactly. Something like that, right? Exactly. But of course, it has to be government data This is the most reliable uh, or, or the clients will feel it's most reliable, I think. So, yeah, so again, you know, this harks back to some of the solutions um, that, um, that, that that we can talk about later, actually. There's another point I want to make uh, before I forget on the implications. So everything we have talked about is really on, m- many of it is like statistics, right? Um, and how much they, how much forest there is. Dylan Ong, who is a biodiversity consultant, has also told me that um, we need to also look beyond just how much forest there is, but also at the quality of the forest and instead of, you know, really being hung up on like 50% forest cover, um, might it be better to focus on, you know, the the parts that matter, where the most biodiversity is uh, or where it's most likely to be able to be protected, the the most value for our buck, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the actual biodiversity and quality of the forest itself matters a lot, a lot. I agree also, you know, it's not really like Is it 50% that we need? Is it 40%? Is it 70%? So what if it's 70% so-called, quote-unquote, forest, but then it's all acacia trees, you know, or all eucalyptus trees. We actually absorb so much water off the ground. Um, So what's the point, right? Um, So yeah, so the biodiversity is, is is a key element that, Unfortunately, I didn't really focus too much on uh, in our stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, maybe for subsequent ones. Um. But let's talk about solutions. Then we've got a few more minutes. Um. Okay. You know why? Yeah. What is you spoke to? What over twenty sort of? Uh, yeah. Actually, we should... reached
0: out to like forty over fifty people, but only twenty actually responded to us. which is really disappointing. But but
1: bless those twenty. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, thank thanks to them. <laughs> and so yeah. So actually, the call for solutions is, is very comp It's very standard. It's very uniform. It's, is the, the first thing to do is to make the data available. And who has this data? Really, it's the government that has the data. The government, Department of Environment, the Department of uh, Forestry, and all these other departments make their data free, available, public, easy to get. Easy to get means put it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, free means don't make us pay for it. You no know, state gazettes that kind. Don't make us pay for it. Um, public, of course, you know anybody can access. Easy to get, you know, not just online, but also the the layout has to be friendly. Uh, I'm not sure if there's too much to ask at this point. Like, at this point, maybe just put it up there and, and, and put it in whatever form, PDF form, whatever form. Just 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 put it up there. Uh, we can't even get Forestry Department annual reports for all the states online. You have to actually go to each of these different states. And the one in Kuala Lumpur, the library in Kuala Lumpur also, for Forestry Department, they don't have all the annual reports from every state. Kalau mereka bagi, kami dapat Kalau mereka bagi, kami dapat Right. So I for me so who come here, I said, oh, yo, so I need to go to, you know, Terengganu, Kuantan, uh, all these different areas to go get It's like, yeah, so make it available, easy to get. And then it helps the government because once you make this data available, then everyone else who has an interest will start looking into it. And then everyone can verify, double check, and then write about it. If your data is good, then all of us talking about how good it is will increase public confidence in the government's capacity right. and, and ability. That's great for the government. If the data has gaps, we report about it. The government and us should all work together across agencies, across stakeholders to improve the management and to improve the actions that need to be done. Then, then only we are working towards a better Malaysia. Ma. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone work in silos. Even government agencies are working in silos. You know, it's, it's just so handicapped.
1: And a handy excuse, though, you know, as well, I suppose, in some certain... I, some don't, answer, know. I don't know. I'm you you that. say I that again. That. I didn't me, say not, that. Yeah, yeah. Not you, not you. I said <laughs> that. Well, you know, if you'd like to read both of those articles uh, that Yahua mentioned, uh, just head to makaranga.org, uh, search for navigating the multiverse of forest data. And if you want to see some of the other projects that have been approved in um, in forest reserves, the other uh, second article is called Projects that Replace Natural Forests in Peninsula Malaysia. So do go over to Makaranga and read those. My thanks to Yahua. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I've been speaking to Lao Yahua, Environment Journalist and Editor of Makaranga, former Fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. If you miss any part of our conversation today, just search for the podcast at bfm.my earth or find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening
0: to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.